You're listening to the Martin Luther Sermon Podcast, and this is Martin Luther's sermon on the text, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, preached on the 14th Sunday after the Feast of the Holy Trinity. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more information about the Luther Sermon Podcast or to listen to more Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. This sermon is from Luther's House Postles. I'm reading from a translation published by J.A. Schulze, publisher in Columbus, Ohio in 1884, a text and translation that's in the public domain. First, the Gospel lesson, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger? And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So far the text. Luther's sermon. At the close of the gospel lesson for today, the Lord extols faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole he says to the Samaritan who had been a leper. He does not give honor to himself, else he would have said, I have helped thee, but he gives faith the praise. Thereby he wishes to induce us, according to this example, to have full confidence in God and to be sure that we shall obtain in Christ Jesus what we believe. If we believe that we have forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Christ, we shall have it. If we believe that God will be gracious and merciful unto us for Christ's sake, he will be gracious and merciful unto us. Therefore all shall be ascribed to faith, not unto God, though upon him everything depends. And we all should perceive that if we do not obtain that which we desire and need, it is not the fault of God that we do not obtain it, but the fault of our unbelief. For if we were strong in faith, we would surely obtain it. The first doctrine of our text, therefore, is this that we may know all things to be granted of God, that we believe, and that we may be comforted. But whoever will not believe in God nor expect anything good from him should not think of obtaining anything, as St. James says in his epistle in the first chapter. For whoever will deal with God and ask anything of him must not doubt and waver or say, Who knows whether God will answer my prayer or whether I will be counted worthy of it? By no means. You should rather say, I know that whatever I ask of God for Christ's sake, he will cheerfully give and do. And though he may not answer my prayer now as I wish him to answer it, he will answer it nevertheless at some other time and in some other way. A wavering heart, which does not believe and is not sure of obtaining anything, will never obtain it. God cannot grant him anything, though he would like to do it. It is like a vessel which a man holds unto his hand, but which he shakes so that no one can pour anything into it. Though one would like to pour something into it, all will be wasted. Such is the case with a wavering heart. God loves to give all we need, but we stand before him like poor beggars, holding forth our hats to, for him to throw something into them, and yet holding it still, not holding it still for that purpose. 
The Lord our God does not want to pour away his gifts or to scatter and lose them, as if you would hold a flagon or flash, asking others to pour wine into it, whilst you were moving it hither and thither. This would cause the host to be very much offended, especially if he intended not to charge you for the wine, but to make you a present of it. He would soon tell you to be gone, because he does not intend to pour the wine into the ground. Exactly so it is with a wavering and unbelieving heart. God cannot pour anything into it, though he would like to do it. But again, when we do not waver, but keep quiet, he loves to give. This we observe in the case of the ten lepers. They stood afar off and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They rest secure and doubt not of his help. Therefore, as they believe, so it is done unto them. Their example should teach us to trust in the goodness of God, not to waver, but to be confident in all that we asked, be it for health, food, success, wisdom, or righteousness. These things God loves to give, if they were down to his honor or promote our salvation, unless he delays in order to try us whether we will continue in prayer and faith. This is the first point of our gospel lesson, which requires us to pray in faith and not to doubt concerning the gracious will of God in Christ Jesus. The other points present a terrible example of ten lepers who have the true faith and are cleansed, but nine of them fall away and are ungrateful after having obtained so great a blessing. This example is intended to make us thankful and to keep us from the terrible vice of ingratitude. For it is not more than right that God should have the honor of our thankfulness for all his benefits. This we should render him willingly and cheerfully. Nor does this require much trouble or labor. What harm can it do if you turn to God saying, O Lord, thou hast given me sound eyes, hands, feet, and many other gifts. They are thy gifts, and I thank thee for bestowing them upon me. So what harm can it do you if you thank your father and mother, master, mistress, or neighbor for the favors you've experienced at their hands? It will certainly cost you no limb, but merely tends to show that those favors are well applied and to induce others to continue in granting them. This is the case of the Samaritan. He returns to the Lord to thank him. It costs him no penny, but only a few words, and it pleases the Lord so well that it is a marvel. People also like to see thankfulness. It does them good, and they are induced thereby to do good again. Heathens even have said, Unthankfulness is the greatest of vices. Therefore, if one is censured as unthankful, he has received the gravest censure. And yet we find such vice to be very common, experienced most by those who have most deserved our thanks. So in the case of father and mother who risk life and being, honor and goods and all they have for the good of their children, but how do children reward them? What is the experience of parents? A child very rarely turns out to be thankful. This is the work of the devil, and the same is the case in all other estates. Therefore, learn to beware of the great and terrible vice of unthankfulness, which closes up the springs of all faithfulness and well-doing among men. For when we find an ungrateful heart, we lose all pleasure in affording further help and doing anything for such people. When one would help others, if he is not a Christian, he will find it very vexatious to receive scorn instead of thanks for favors done. The first utterance of such people will be, All kindness is lost upon such a rude fellow. He may go, I will not turn my hand for him, nor help him a penny's worth. Thus people get impatient. And all this is caused by the shameful ingratitude, which is nevertheless so common a vice in this world. Therefore, if you would be true Christians, learn to be thankful. First of all, toward God, our gracious Father in heaven, who has given and still preserves to us our body and soul and all things that pertain to eternal life. Then also be grateful to your parents, friends, and neighbors who have been doing you so much good. Endeavor to return these favors, and if you should not be able to do it in deeds, do it by grateful and friendly words. This is becoming, and God asks you to do it. Very few, however, do this. 
Because the children of this world cannot be induced to be grateful, not even in words, it is no wonder that people cannot be induced to reward the good they have received. As the proverb says, Nihil sitius senestist quam gratia. In the monasteries, young people used to be trained, even for the gift of a sharpened pen, to bow and say, Benedictus Deus in omnibus donis suis. That is, God be praised for all his gifts. This was by no means an evil custom. It was done to accustom young people to receive everything with thankfulness toward God and man. And although this gratitude did not always come from the heart, it was nevertheless well to be thankful, at least in words. Thus also it is written in the 116th Psalm, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. That is, I will praise, adore, and thank him for all his benefits towards me. This, my child, the Lord says, is all I ask of you. But there are few in whom our kind Father in heaven can accomplish this. Most people persecute and slander his word and do not remember that all we have is a gift of his grace. Yea, even more, God's only begotten Son, who has been given us as a comfort against sin and eternal death, they nail to the cross. This is indeed a world deserving no good thing at the hands of God, but rather his wrath. And yet he is not wroth but continues to be kind and merciful and to help everywhere. Hence, it is not sufficient for us to be grateful. We should also learn to practice the virtue of suffering in gratitude. This is a virtue only of God and of true Christians. We have many examples to prove that unbelievers cannot practice it. The Grecians have have had excellent men who defended their fatherland faithfully, even at the risk of their own lives, but when they found that their labors were not appreciated and that instead of being permitted to enjoy a thankful acknowledgement of their deeds, they were reproached and oppressed, they became impatient, so much so that instead of defending their country against its enemies, they joined these enemies and became the bitterest foes of their fatherland. This is the manner of our nature, but it is an evil manner which we should give up and follow the manner of God who hates ingratitude as a great and shameful vice and yet is not moved thereby to become wicked himself, he remains good and gracious towards everybody that needs his help. Whoever therefore would be a Christian must not expect always to receive thanks for his well-doing, faithfulness, and services, but also to suffer ingratitude. With great care he should guard against being led on that account to stop serving and helping others. It is a Christian virtue and a real fruit of faith if, after you have done your best and are rewarded with evil, you continue to exercise patience and conclude, No, such experience shall not discourage me. I will bear and yet help wherever I can. If you will be ungrateful, I know of one in heaven who will thank me in your stead. This is more precious to me than your thanks. Such conduct is indeed Christian. Solomon calls it pouring burning coals upon the head of the unthankful. This proficiency you will never learn from the children of this world. They do the very opposite. If they are treated with ingratitude, they think at once that all the good they have done is in vain and lost, and that therefore they will not squander their favors in future. You must learn it out of your Father in heaven. He makes it his Son to shine not merely for the pious who thank him for it, but also for the wicked who do not thank him, but rather abuse all his gifts. Of right, he might also say, I have made the sun to shine these many years. I have given grain, wine, and all kinds of produce and benefits, but I receive no thanks. Therefore, I will let the sun shine no longer and will let the ungrateful world die of hunger. Yet our gracious Father does not deal thus. Never, he says, shall the ingratitude of the world suffice to make me angry. If they will not be thankful, I will continue to be gracious and in due time call the unthankful to account.
If we want to be Christians, we should learn to do the same. For it is the nature of Christian love to bear all things and to suffer all things without being provoked to bitterness. But there are few who have such love, therefore we have, we have very few true Christians. Yet if we would be Christians, we should learn cheerfully to do good to others and to help them, and not be offended nor think it strange when we meet with ingratitude, as the children of this world do who are pained and very much offended if their benefits are not appreciated. But let your thoughts and actions be different. If you do good to a person today and he turns from you in ingratitude, let not this affect your action tomorrow. He himself will reap the consequences of such ingratitude. Do you proceed and say, If my favors are lost in one case, let me soon have another chance to do good. If in this case it is also in vain, then give me a third chance, and so on, so that you may apply the words of Christ. Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Our dear Lord also receives very little thanks, but he is satisfied even if one out of ten comes to thank him. He would not even have inquired after those nine had it not been for the purpose of pointing them out as unthankful, as though he would say, If you are determined to be unthankful, then just wait, you will not escape. I will in due time inquire where you are that you have not thanked me for giving me your body and your soul and all you need. Then it will appear what a shameful vice ingratitude is. Hence we must accustom ourselves to condemn unthankfulness and learn from the example of Christ. Experience teaches, and everybody has opportunity to see it, that if God gives us ten fruitful years, we scarcely thank him for one of them. Yea, the worst of it is that we always shamefully abuse the products of the most fruitful season. If God grants us a year of much wine, grain, and other products, we always find avaricious men who will purchase these articles and wait for high prices. Others again give themselves up to drunkenness and waste and squander because they have a rich harvest and thus show their ingratitude to God for his blessing. Thus the Lord is scarcely thanked for the tenth part of his gifts and blessing. This we should remember and not feel hurt, but be satisfied if we meet only one among ten who appreciates and is grateful for benefits received. The rest will come to see their mistake some day. God, who wants them to be grateful, will call them to account at last. You have thus learned two lessons from the gospel of today. The first treating of faith and the other of the two beautiful virtues of gratitude and patiently suffering ingratitude. Thankfulness we are to learn from the Samaritan, and according to his example be thankful toward God and man. From Christ we should learn not to be offended, much less withdraw our favors from some because they have been ungrateful for gifts received. For as I have said before, among unbelievers it is a common vice that people are offended by unthankfulness and made unwilling to help so that they withhold their favors from ten on account of the ingratitude of one. But if you are a Christian, then act differently. If you are deceived by nine, be satisfied if only one is grateful. For Christ himself does not find people grateful for benefits, be they ever so great. Would you expect more than he? Then be satisfied with the one out of ten, and you shall have not less than Christ. The unthankful shall themselves have the loss, and no success and prosperity. In short, we shall be good Christians, if we are firm in our faith and have confidence in the goodness of God, and besides, not o- be not only thankful, but also able to bear unthankfulness. For we cannot expect to fare any better than Christ. We are required to do good to others, and not be surprised if only one appreciates our favors and shows himself to be grateful. And it may even be the case that he is the one whom we least expected to be grateful, as was the case with the Samaritan. May the dear Lord our God grant that we may remember this and improve by it. Amen. 
This has been Dr. Martin Luther's sermon for the 14th Sunday after the Feast of the Holy Trinity on the text, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, the ten lepers who were cleansed. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more Luther sermons and to learn more about the Luther Sermon Podcast, please visit www.hope-aurora.org.